You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. Sunday at home. I'm Pastor Dan. Thank you so much for joining in with us yet again online from home. Uh, we are doing a series called American Idols. And uh, the goal of this series is to train you for battles that you will face in your life, uh, like the battle for keeping calm when distractions and disruptions continue coming in your life, like right now while we're at home. <laughs> uh, it's always helpful as we talk about idols and things like that to just restate the basics of idolatry. Um, God is very loud about their dangers uh, throughout Scripture. He talks about them often. It's the second commandment, you know, have no idols. Uh, they seek to take His place in our hearts. Uh, it's a deception. It's a lie. And they do it by promising what we want, um, and they appeal to our very self-centered desires. They demand more and more and give less and less until eventually, eventually the idol is taking everything and giving nothing. Uh, it's very, it's, it's tragic, it's terrible and ironic because in the end, idols cost us the very thing that we want that God wants to give us. And so uh, idols are, are very dangerous, and that's why God's so loud about it. And we've been sort of understanding them through the story of Daniel. Uh, it's a study in contrasts. He's a Jewish young man who was uh, exiled to Babylon. Uh, the, the nation of Israel is conquered by the Babylonians, so they take some of the best and brightest young men, and Daniel's one of them. And it's a study in contrast. This young man, Daniel, living in a culture that doesn't celebrate God, doesn't worship him. So it's this contrast of a young man who does in a culture that worships other things, we would call them idols. Now, it was around 600 B.C., just to give you some time so you know exactly when this is taking place in history. Um, last week, we talked about the story of the idol of approval, that uh, we don't need the approval of others. It, it puts the power of God in the hands of others to give us our approval. That We have all the approval we need from God. He says, you're worthy, He loves you, no matter what. And when we put that attention on other people, we give that them that power, uh, we become a slave to those people. And uh, so that's what we talked about. Now we're going to pick up the story in chapter 2, Daniel chapter 2, and invite you to, to read along with us as we talk about this story. In chapter 2, verse 1, we pick it up, it says this, One night, during the second year of his reign, the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and listen to this, he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed as they stood before the king. He said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. In that culture, let's pause for a moment, dreams held great significance. Uh, for the king to have a dream like that would have really shaken him. And uh, he has this, I have to know what this means moment. Like, I gotta know. You ever get like a, maybe a cryptic text message or a voicemail from somebody and makes you freak out a little bit, and you kind of like, you know, I got to stop everything, hold up, and I got to find out what does this mean. I, this means something. I don't know if this is good or bad. Uh, I, I can't wait. I have to know what it means. It's that kind of a moment for the king. And it's unusual because the king not only asked his astrologers and his wise men to interpret his dream, but also to reveal the content of the dream. He didn't even tell them what he dreamed. Let's pick it up, verse 4. It says this, Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, Long live the king! Tell us the dream, and we will tell you what it means. 
But the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, this is, this is so nice, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. They said again, please, your majesty, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. You can hear what's going on here. The king replied, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time because you know I'm serious when I say, if you don't tell me the, <laughs> the dream, you're doomed. So you've conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind. But tell me the dream and then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. Listen, this makes sense for the king to have sort of this kind of uh, demand here. Uh, how can he trust the interpretation of something divine like that if they can't actually tell him what he dreamed? He said, you might just be making stuff up. You know, you can just, you know, anybody can interpret a dream and it could be wrong. So he puts them to the test and he says, hey, prove yourselves. Verse 10, the astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of a magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among people. It's such a powerful response from these magicians, astrologers, because it's so true. It's, it's, it's resounding with truth. It's not possible. No one could reasonably know what somebody else dreamed. It's, it's, not, it's not in a book. There's no way of going back in the writings and doing research. You, you can't study enough to understand what the probability or likelihood of what the king dreamed. You would not know that. That kind of information can only come from off-planet. It's another level. And the astrologers, I mean, it's, they were absolutely sincere and honest here. <clears throat> and it didn't <coughs> satisfy the king. He wanted answers. Verse 12 says this, The king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. Now pay attention to this. When the king couldn't know what was unknowable, right? When the king couldn't find out what was unknowable, it compelled him to pour out his frustration on others. Did they cause the dream? Nope. It's not their fault, yet they are paying for his lack of understanding. Demanding knowledge of the unknowable caused a leader to harm the innocent people he was responsible for protecting. It's really a powerful point here. This king was charged with the good of the kingdom. He can't know something that he wants to know, and so he takes it out on the very people that he's supposed to be protecting and guarding. Thankfully, the story doesn't end there. Verse 14, when Arioch the commander of the king's guard came to kill them. He's coming sword in hand. He's ready to kill them. And Daniel's part of that. Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. <clears throat> At that time, there was outrage, reactionary judgments. And in that season, wisdom and discretion stood out. And I'd like to just pause and say it still does. In a world full of outrage and overreactions, and hostile reactionary judgments, wisdom and discretion continues to stand out. In the words of Rudyard Kipling, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, it's going to stand out. There was something inside Daniel that had prepared him for this moment 
and made him different. So verse 15, we pick it up. It says, he asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. And Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah what had happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with all the other wise men of Babylon. Not only was Daniel's life on the line, remember, but all of the other wise men. Daniel had no idea what the dream was. Remember, this was not possible. But he knew who did know, and so he asked. That night, verse 19, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven, and he said, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. Listen to this. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. And the story goes on and Daniel tells the king the dream and it's that God had revealed to him and it's, it's spot on, it's exactly right. And it saves all the wise men. Now remember, this is a study in contrast. So I want to zero in on the difference between Daniel and the king. The king was desperate for answers, refused to be denied. I have to know. His value was understanding above all. It didn't matter what it cost him. When the king wanted to know the unknowable, he turned to the only source of wisdom he knew, his astrologers, his learned men, and they were inadequate. Daniel was similarly pursuant of an answer, yet his response was to turn to the God of all wisdom. As he sought God, the answer was given. I want to focus on the demand for answers. We live in a society that demands answers. Undeniable hunger right now for information, for understanding, uh, and it's even, I mean, in, our, in every facet of life. You want to buy a car? You get the Carfax know all the information. You want to go to a restaurant, Yelp it. You understand, you get all the reviews. You, you're hiring somebody, you do a background check. You, you stalk their social media, you call their references. You want all the information you can get. Everybody wants to get to the bottom of things, to the needy greedy details. You want to know everything. That can also be how we approach God and life. Who is God really? Who's he really? How does he work? Why doesn't he do what I want him to do? How do we know there's only one God and how does a, why does a good God allow suffering and why is there sleet in March when we're supposed to be having service and our member celebration? All these questions, you know, we, we want understanding. It would be so much better if we could know. We have this deep this hunger for understanding and the truth is this, the desire to understand is part of how God has wired us. He created us with brains, some with more than others. Uh, the greatest commandment, it's this, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what it says. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are designed to understand, to seek truth. It's not just for the intellectuals. There are entire books of the Bible devoted to wisdom literature. We're supposed to pursue wisdom and understanding. The wisest man to ever live, Solomon, King Solomon, wrote this in Proverbs chapter 3. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies, 
Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her hand, right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths and all her ways are satisfying. Listen to this. It's gonna, you know it's going to work for me. Wisdom is a tree of life. To those who embrace her happy are those who hold her tightly. Wisdom and understanding are gifts from God and they help us live our life well. Jesus actually warned against not understanding. He talked about those who have ears but don't hear, those who listen but don't understand. And he says they, they, they don't even try to understand. They listen and they hear the words and it goes in and out. Jesus was telling us not everyone is interested in understanding. It's tragic, it's true, and it's costly. Wisdom and understanding are incredibly valuable and God wants to give them to us. But just like anything, just like anything, if we overvalue it, it can become an idol. We can value understanding over the God who gives it. That's how idols work. They promise what God already gives. The king of Babylon was consumed with understanding his dream, while Daniel was committed to understanding his God. The idol is as old as the world itself. This idol, this idol of understanding, it goes way back to the very beginning. In the Garden of Eden, right? God gives everybody, Adam and Eve, the whole thing. It says just, you know, don't eat from this one tree. And, you know, the incident with the serpent. And the serpent comes along and the shrewdest of all the animals and asks the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Which is not what God said at all. And she said, of course we can eat from the trees in the garden. Uh, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or touch it. And if you do, you will die. You won't die. The servant replied to her, the, the snake replied to her, right? He says, God knows, listen, that God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced, saw the tree was beautiful, the fruit looks delicious, and she wants the wisdom it would give her. So she took the fruit and ate it, right? And gives some to Adam, and he takes it and eats it. And at that moment, it says, their eyes were opened, and listen to this, it says, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Andy Crouch, again, remember we recorded this last week, he said this, Every idol makes two simple and extravagant promises. You shall not surely die, and you will be like God. God gave Adam and Eve all the wisdom they needed to thrive and to flourish in the garden. They had everything, they knew everything they needed to know. But their desire to understand brought them to the place that they wanted to be like God, equivalent to, on that same level. The idol of understanding promises answers. It promises information and understanding beyond. It says that if you know more, if you know enough, you'll be satisfied. If we can only figure out how it all works, we'll, we'll feel so much better. Remember, idols overpromise and underdeliver. If you could only know what God knows, everything would be better. That's a lie. It's a lie. Since it's an imitation, it comes at a cost. Let me ask you, as soon as Adam and Eve were enlightened, as soon as they understood it, were they amazed at all the good around them? Were things more beautiful? Did they have an increased sense of joy, of delight, of peace? Their immediate reaction to an increased understanding was this, shame and eventually fear. They hid from God. Those were the two things that their understanding produced, shame and fear. 
And it's tragic because there was no shame, reason for shame for their bodies. Their, their nakedness was not bad. But their awareness of good and evil corrupted their innocence. It caused them to fear the one who loved them. Their idolization of understanding cost them the peace of trusting God. And here comes the unintended consequences of idols. Always unintended consequences. Things we did not consider. It's easy to think that if I know more, if I have more wisdom, more understanding, it'll give me the ability to recognize good more. We don't consider it also gives us the capacity to recognize more evil. We can lose innocence with knowledge. And they aren't the only ones that show us that. Again, King Solomon, wisest person ever lived. God gave him this great wisdom. He says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, I devoted myself to the search for understanding, to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. And he says this, I said to myself, look, I am wiser than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. But I learned firsthand that pursuing it all is like chasing the wind. And he says this, the greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. Here's the takeaway. Knowledge is a brutal idol. It promises peace and delivers heartache. God has all wisdom. He knows everything. He knows absolutely everything. Psalm 147, how great is our Lord. His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. We can't even comprehend how much God knows. He knows it all. There is nothing God doesn't know. But, and, there is much we don't know. He knows it all, but there's much we don't know. God reveals truth to us as we seek it. And as it is good for us, those two things, God reveals what we need to know as we seek it and as it's good for us. Some knowledge is simply beyond our capacity to process. Someone once said, I heard a woman say this, be careful what you say around children. They're wonderful listeners and terrible analysts. God does not reveal all things to us, not because he's hiding anything, not because it would cause us to doubt him. He has no secret agenda. He chooses not to because he loves us. He does not burden us with knowledge and understanding that would be too much for us. Even Jesus didn't know everything, right? Regarding the end times, Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour these things will happen, not the angels in heaven or the Son himself. He said, only the Father knows. There are some things that only the Father knows. There are things he reveals to us now, but we do not know everything. But one day, when we can handle it, God is going to tell us everything. He, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, now we see things imperfectly, right? Like puzzling reflections in a mirror. It's confusing. But then we will see with perfect clarity. Now, all that I know is partial and it's incomplete. But then... One day, I'm going to know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. God understands it all. I don't. He doesn't tell me everything because he loves me. But one day, God's going to tell me everything. He's going to reveal it. We're going to see it all. And we're going to say, it is good. So what? So what? The battle for our heart, for the lordship of our heart, is tested daily as we encounter situations and circumstances that challenge our understanding. When things don't make sense, when you don't understand why and how, those are the moments the idol of understanding is knocking on our door. Those are those moments. 
it's going to say, hey, demand an answer. You have a right to know. If you don't get an answer, somebody is hiding something. You can't trust anyone who won't tell you everything. So you keep knocking. You keep demanding. You demand that God tell you why. And if he doesn't, you doubt him. You walk away from God because God hasn't given you what you want. That battle is raging now for many of us. And the question is this. Will you trust the God of wisdom or will you demand an answer? It's the battle you have faced, you are likely facing right now, and we will continue to face. It's going it's to continue. It's relentless because we will continue to not know and understand everything that happens to us. So here's the question. How do we train for this battle? If that's coming, how do we train? How can we be like Daniel and meet the moment with wisdom and discretion? May I suggest the kiss of hope? Kiss, right? Not keep it simple, stupid, which is good, but keep, improve, stop, start doing. What are those things? So first, here's how we fight, how we train for that battle. Ready? You keep seeking the wisdom of the God of wisdom before you seek the wisdom of God. And here's how that looks. Ready? Read your Bible before you read anything else in your day. Before you open up your phone and read the the news or read social media or the sports or check your texts or anything else, read your Bible. Literally place the wisdom of God before the information of this world. Keep God on top. Refuse to get that out of order. That's the very first thing we do. Just keep God up top. That's what you need to keep doing. Continue to put him first and foremost in everything. Let him be the first one. Second, what can you improve? King, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, Solomon explained why uh, he wanted wisdom from God in the first place, why God said, I'll give you anything. Solomon says, I just want wisdom. Why? Yes, he said this, give me an understanding heart, ready? So that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. In his book of wisdom, Solomon wrote this in Proverbs, he says, the purpose of wisdom is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. Listen to this. The whole point of wisdom is to empower you to do what's right for you and for the good of others. Wisdom was never meant to be self-serving. It was never meant to be a feather in our cap. Paul says this, knowledge makes us feel important, but it is love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't know very much. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. Again, if I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but I didn't love others, Paul says I would be nothing. Again, wisdom, love, right? It says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. As soon as wisdom and understanding become self-serving, they have become an idol. If the goal of your search for wisdom is to make you feel better, then you have elevated wisdom to an idol status, and it is above God. Here's what to improve. Let your love for others be louder than what you know. Really smart people can be some of the meanest people that, you, that we know. It's a corruption of wisdom. Really smart people can be some of the most selfish people. It's, again, a corruption. Use your understanding to serve others. Learn and grow so that, so that you can love and serve others better. If the only purpose of your wisdom is self-serving, no good. Improve. Here's how we can improve. Leverage your wisdom for others. That's how we can improve. Stop. What do we need to stop doing? Stop demanding answers. God will give you what you need. He will reveal what you need to know. If he does not, it is for your good. 
Will you trust him in that? Faith is the foundation of a relationship. Do you trust God that if you don't know, that in your not knowing, that he's good? Can you trust God that in your not knowing, he's good? You can ask, you can search for answers. We're supposed to. Understanding, wisdom, those are all good. But if they never come, refuse to demand it. Refuse to demand it. That's what we need to stop doing. And finally, start. What do we need to start doing? We need to start balancing what we know with what God is saying to us. Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. I have understanding and God illuminates that understanding. Acts chapter 15, they're making a decision. They said this, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. (coughs) Blend those two. Blend the two. Your understanding and God's don't make decisions just based on what you think. Start blending the two. This is my understanding and God, I invite you into this. You inform my understanding. You direct and guide it. Let's blend those two. That's what we need to do. That's the the kiss of hope. That's what will give us hope. If we will keep God at the top, here's what's going to happen. If we will keep God there and refuse to place wisdom and understanding as an idol, if we refuse that, here's what's going to happen. I'll just sort of paraphrase from Philippians. Our love will overflow more and more. And we will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. And we will understand what really matters. And we will live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. And then from Colossians, God will give us complete knowledge of his will. And he will give us spiritual wisdom and understanding so that the way we live will always honor and please the Lord. And our lives will produce every kind of good fruit All the while we will grow as we learn to know God better and better. We will have peace as we find that we know what we need to know for this day. You have all the knowledge you need for today because God has given it to you. As you seek it, God will give you all you need to know. And for everything that we don't know, God can be trusted that he's the one who understands it all. That's what's going to happen. We get this peace. I do not know everything, but I know what I need to know. And if I don't know something, I can ask and I can seek it. And if it doesn't come to me, I can trust that in that not knowing, God is good enough because he's God. My idol is not understanding. My idol is, my, my, my God is on top. That's it. I don't have to know it all because I know and trust the one who knows it all. And that brings peace. That's, that's, that's where our peace comes from. That's my encouragement to you today, church. Let's just take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your faithfulness that you do know it all. Lord, and in our not knowing, give us peace. Help us grow, Lord, as you reveal things. Let us receive those and be grateful for that wisdom. Let us leverage that wisdom for the good of others, to serve others, to love others. And Lord, guard us from ever demanding an answer from you and teach us to trust you in all things. It's in your good name we pray. Amen. Love you, church. God bless you. We'll see you next week in person.